It's a good day to be in church, friends. It's a good day to worship with your sisters and your brothers and the people all around us. And I uh, just want to say hello. I'm so excited. We have had a great weekend here at Emmanuel already. Yesterday, all three campuses joined together for our first annual Team Emmanuel conference. And uh, what an amazing time as we all gathered together and we're sharpening our skills. And we want to do ministry even better. And not because we have to, but because we get to. Amen? And uh, so excited and fired up, really, by my teammates who are uh, giving their best in places that I don't even get to see every week. But man, what a story God is writing through the people of Emmanuel. And there's always room for you. If you haven't yet got involved in serving or volunteering at our church, you can go to Starting Point on any of our campuses. I want to encourage you to jump in and do that. I want to go right into today and uh, talk about last week we started our series called Thank God It's Monday. And uh, the whole idea was is to say, you know, uh, God is interested in our Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And he doesn't want us just to be Sunday Christians, hello, but uh, that his, he's about to do something new through our lives and, uh, and, and how can we observe and to see what he wants us to do outside of here in our jobs or our assignments. And of course, we made a definition that for work in the Bible and for this series, it's equivalent to our assignment, whether it be in the job or at school or at home or in retirement. And the reality is, is that God has created us and he is still working on us. Ephesians, Paul says, for we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And of course, you know, we are not his mistake. We're not his afterthought. We're not on the clearance rack. We are his masterpiece and he's continuing to do new things, shaping us not only in the context of church belief and where we attend, but also in the context of who we are and what God's assigned us to do. And you are truly a work in progress. God's got his construction sign up on your life, and he's shaping you, and we believe in that. In fact, turn to the person next to you and say, you're a masterpiece. But, to, but he's not done yet. <laughs> And what we talked about last week is, is that wherever we go, wherever our assignment is, the place where I work becomes a sanctuary where the ministry takes place. So learning to look at that place that God's assigned us as the sanctuary where God's going to move. And of course, our attitude has to shift from having to or have to type of thinking to get to. Turn to the person next to you and say, you get to do this. And of course, at the end of our service last week, we handed out in our bulletin all of the, uh, the statements that we've encouraged everyone to have for Thank God It's Monday in the series, a declaration wherever you are. It could be in the home, it could be in the workplace, in the neighborhood, wherever God's assigned you, and to state it out loud over uh, your place of work and, uh, and to consider God doing great things. In fact, I'm going to have it on the screen today and just want you to Say it with me again, and just as a reminder that this is what we're doing for each of our places that God has called us to, to be. I declare, say it with me, I declare God's favor and success over my workplace, God's blessing over my boss and coworkers, that this will be a place of joy, peace, and unity. I declare safety and health for employees and their family members that my workplace will value what God values. And we're going to keep doing that. And we're going to believe in it. And we're going to make a statement that the devil doesn't own where we go. That this is God's territory and we're going to declare his safety and his peace and his well-being over the world that God has called us to be in and see if God doesn't begin to do something. Because you're not just stating it in the sanctuary, you're stating it in the place that God has assigned you. And the last week of this series, just in two weeks, where this is just a four-part series, I'm gonna ask everybody on each of our campuses to come to church on that Sunday morning with the thing, the clothing that you wear when you go in on Monday. So if you're going to school, I want you to wear what you would wear to school. If you go to work, I want you to wear your work uniform to church. You're like, Pastor, I want to get away from that. No, because what we're going to do on that day is we're going to have a great commissioning service. 
and we're going we're gonna to pray over everybody, and we're going to ask for God's anointing to be on your life. I can't wait till that day, by the way, for God to bring a great anointing back into your workplace. So it's going to be an exciting time just in two weeks. Don't do it next week. Uh, that's Labor Day weekend. Do it the following Sunday, and we're, we're going to bless uh, each and every responsibility that God has called us to live in. This week, part two, thank God it's Monday, is out of the box. Everybody said out of the box. I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 31, if you will, today. It's the second book of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus. And uh, I will get there in a moment. I Trust me, I will. There might be a point where you're like, has he forgotten that he told us to go to Exodus 31? But I want to give you a context for what's happening. For Genesis and Exodus, as God kind of writes his story through the people in the, in the Bible, he's actually introducing truth. He's intervening into a world and, and showing uh, what his purposes and his plans are. And, and when you look at Genesis, for example, he, you'll see that the spotlight of the story kind of goes on a family, and that family starts with Abraham, and, and then it's his son Isaac, and then his grandson Jacob. Jacob was a deceiver. He lived for himself. He was one of those guys that, that uh, was, it was all about him, and he actually would rip his brother off. And then Jacob, he, he just had that character that it was all about him. Until one day when he had to wrestle with God. And when he had this wrestling match, some people think it's an angel, some people think it's God. But how many know when you wrestle with God, you're not going to win the wrestling match? And so eventually he didn't win this match. And, of course, he came out walking with a limp for the rest of his life. But his heart was bowed before heaven, and he had submitted and surrendered to God. And when he did, God changed his name, and his name became Israel. Israel... And his sons, he had 12 sons, those sons became the 12 tribes of Israel and their lineage. Israel became the name for a nation. And so when you read in Genesis this story about a family, you begin to see the transition from God's story being just about a family to God's story being about a nation. And eventually you'll see in the Old Testament God's prophecies were about how Israel was to bless the nations. So it kind of moves from the individual on out. And by the way, God wants to do things not only for you, through you and your family, but it also, God is meant for you to affect nations, to challenge nations, to grow people. And it's not just about you. In fact, turn to the person next to you and say, it's not about you. But when you surrender, God will continue to grow things through you, okay? So... One of Jacob or Israel's sons was Joseph. Joseph had some dreams. He thought outside the box, if you will. As Joseph was uh, growing up, he shared his dreams, and his brothers didn't like it so much so that they hated him. And he was sold actually into slavery. And he went from the, what we know as the modern-day geographical Israel, the Palestine area. He was sold down into Egypt. And here he was in Egypt, and the amazing thing about Joseph is Joseph didn't live in the box of his circumstances. He was able to transcend that. So he was in Potiphar's house, and he made the most of the jobs that he had, and then, and then he was in prison, and he made the most of his prison experience, and he was not limited by the confines of the job or the surroundings or the uniform that he was in. He was connected to a much larger plan, and he allowed God to move through him. Eventually, God brings him to a place where he's the second most important person in all of Egypt, and he's serving Pharaoh, and God gives Joseph this plan to save the whole known world at that time from a coming famine, a drought that would happen that millions of people would die from if they did not have food. And so Joseph has this strategy that God gives him, and that strategy plays out, and not only is Egypt saved, but so is the surrounding geographical world, including Joseph's family, who lived up in modern-day Israel, and they all came down to Egypt to get food. And there's a restoration story that's beautiful in the last half of Genesis that you can read about how God restored some things between Joseph and his brothers. But then you see that Joseph's descendants and Israel's descendants and all of the what we know as the tribes of Israel stayed in Egypt. 
So they stayed after they came down for the food, and then they began to grow. And for 430 years, this family grew like rabbits to over a million people, okay? And in 430 years, lots of growth happened, but something else also happened. They also went from favor with Pharaoh to becoming Pharaoh's slaves. And these people, now generation after generation, were born into slavery. They were making bricks that became our pyramids. They were making bricks without straw. They were brutally beaten. They were hit in the back and whipped and, and taught this is who you are and this is who you will always be. And so there was a mentality that set into Israel where Israel was a slave of Pharaoh. Pharaoh wasn't just their boss. He was inside their head. He had controlled their picture of what their destiny would be. And I just want you to catch this today before we get into Exodus 31 because God is not satisfied with us staying slaves in our head. He wants Pharaoh to get out of our head. And so what he does is he comes and he intervenes. He sends Moses. Moses and the grand stories that you see at the beginning of Exodus, he's used of God to bring an entire nation out through miracles and signs and wonders. And eventually an entire nation walks across the Red Sea on dry ground. And as soon as they get on the other side, the waters collapse on Pharaoh's armies. It was an amazing miracle. And as they stepped into the desert, this new nation had to figure out who they were. Their, their, their ways of relating to each other, their ways of commerce and, and, and gaining food and how they treated other people were all shaped by Pharaoh and that system of government. And God would use the desert to be a place where now, as they were in the desert, God would get Pharaoh out of Israel. You see, they got out of Egypt, but Egypt hadn't yet got out of them. And there was a transformation of thought. And listen, that's exactly what God wants to do with you and I. Even though we come to faith in Jesus in the moment that you surrender your heart to Christ, you become a new creation where the old is gone and the new has come, you sometimes will still have Egypt up in your head. Hello. Sometimes there's old thinking patterns, old things that control us, things from our past that hold us back. Even in Christians, in the church world, we begin to, to just kind of settle into a normal existence when God wants to do new things. And we become like what the, the circus does when they train uh, elephants. They take little baby elephants and they tie a rope around the elephant's foot and they stake it to the ground and that elephant learns that it can't get away from the stake. Only when the elephant grows up to be an adult and there's several tens of thousands of pounds and, and they keep that same stake and a rope around and the elephant thinks in their head that they can't break free. How many know that all they got to do is yank that thing and they're free, but in their head they're not free. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? So what I want to talk to you today about is the fact that God wants you, and you, as you think about your Mondays and your Tuesdays and your Wednesdays and your Thursdays and your Fridays and your Saturdays, you're going back into school this fall. Is this year going to be like last year? Is Pharaoh still in your head or is there a new day coming? When you think about your marriage and the, the state of uh, the relationships that you have, is it just going to be more the same? Or are you going to allow God to break you free from that rope that's been around you and, and experience freedom that he has for you in the future? Are you hearing what I'm saying? It is possible that you've been, you own a business or you're in a job and you have a responsibility and you're really good at what you do, but perhaps God wants you to break out of the past and move you more toward a promised land. And here, as we looked at Exodus chapter 31, you're going to see that what God does is he begins to anoint and empower, and the Spirit of God wants to do a great work in you. No matter what your assignment is, there's a new day ahead. Exodus chapter 31, God gives instructions in the desert for how he wants his temple to be built. It's the great elaborate construction project. It's costly, but how many know God has a plan and he knows what he wants? And so it says in verse one of Exodus 31, then the Lord said to Moses, look, I have specifically chosen 
Bezalel, son of Uri, grandson of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the spirit of God, giving him great wisdom, ability, and expertise in all kinds of crafts. He is a master craftsman, expert in working with gold, silver, and bronze. He is skilled in engraving and mounting gemstones and in carving wood. He is a master at every craft. And I have personally appointed Aholiab, son of Ahishamach. Yeah, you try to say those names in the Bible sometimes. <laughs> of the tribe of Dan to be his assistant. Moreover, I have given special skill to all the gifted craftsmen so they can make all the things I have commanded you to make. Now, this is an, a kind of, maybe you've flown over this particular passage before, but I want you to catch a few things. First of all, that God is interested in particular things happening in our Mondays. He actually has specific designs, and he chooses people, and he chooses somebody here that is maybe unlikely in our current paradigms. See, this is the first time anyone in all of Scripture is mentioned as having been filled with the Spirit, and he's a construction worker. Come on, somebody. See, we often think, oh, it's got to be the guy that's got the mic or somebody that can sing a song or be a missionary. But no, 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 no. God's very early design is he cares about accounting. Hello, those of you that are accountants. Usually you're an introvert, so you're not going to go, whoo, you're just, that's nice, Pastor Nate. He cares about business people and people that are, are uh, making medical devices and people that are engineers. And he, he understands and he can fill those people with the spirit. Bezalel is an amazing figure in all of scripture because it reminds us that God is not con confined by the walls of our church buildings. That really the spirit of God works outside of the confines that we think of. And our blue-collar buddy, Bezalel, son of Uri, grandson of Hur, the tribe of Judah, has been chosen by God, and you have been chosen by God to fulfill an assignment given by God. Jesus said this to his disciples in John 15, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. In other words, he chose you for the purposes, his own purposes. And like I said last week, it may change your assignments, but you're to be used for his purposes. And we, the bell, the light bulb goes off and we start recognizing, wait, I'm not just going to school today. I am on assignment from God, and he can fill me with the Spirit just like he filled Bezalel, or I'm going to work there, or I'm taking care of little toddlers today. Yes, Lord, I need your strength. And it's funny, this week I was looking at social media, and people in the morning on Monday were like, thank God it's Monday, hashtag T-G-I-M, and you could put that on your social media. So I was looking at some of them, and one mom said, Yes, thank you, Lord, for giving me the assignment of these little children. And, uh, and that was like 9 o'clock. And then 5 o'clock, the post was, I failed already. <laughs> these kids are whining and complaining. It's, it's just a normal life, right? And uh, we have to learn to capture the moments, the days, and to reset and remember that this is what God has called us to do. He's assigned us. And whatever job you do, the Spirit of God can and will fill you. Bezalel gets filled with the Spirit on the job site and is filled with the Spirit to utilize his skills for what God wants to do. Turn to the person next to you and say, he wants to use you. I want, I want you to catch something here because if how does the Spirit of God work? Some, some of you are like right now, you're like, that sounds really cute, Pastor Nate. That's really, you don't work where I work. You don't hang out with the people I hang out with, right? And as long as you stay in your head and Pharaoh's in your head, you're gonna have the same experience this week as you did last week. As long as you let your history and what's happened before and the voices of the past and the lies of the past and whatever's happened and your disappointments, your frustrations, you'll still, you can, 
You can laugh me away, but I'll tell you what will intervene in your life that will make a difference, and it's called the Spirit of God. And the way that the Spirit of God works is amazing. It starts right in the very beginning, in Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 1, it says, in the beginning. I used to think that was a baseball term, in the big inning. <laughs> I found out later on in life it wasn't. In the beginning, that's the starting point of all of history, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Now what you have is formless, empty, not choosable, wouldn't buy it off the shelf, don't like it, you don't understand, it's messed up, damaged goods, whatever it may be, this is, this is what we see in the beginning. There's nothing worth talking about yet. And it's formless and void, and darkness covers over it. I know people that darkness covers over the top of them and they feel formless and empty and they have no idea that with Jesus, their life would come alive. That there's so much more hope and promise available, but they're in that dark place. And then right there, you see that the spirit of the Lord is where? Hovering over the top. And when he's hovering, I want you to think of hovering as creating a condition for something new to emerge, for something new to emerge. It's the image of a mother hen who's sitting on top of her eggs. Do you know why the hen sits on top of the eggs? Because she creates an environment through her warmth where those little chicks in there can grow and then begin to peck their way out. What the Spirit of God does is he hovers over formless things so much so that he creates a condition for creative new things to be developed. And I want to declare to you today that as we move into our Thank God It's Monday assignments, that you and I need the Spirit of God to come and hover over the top of us. We need him to hover over the top of our families. We need him to hover over the top of our schools. We need him to hover over the place that we work. We need him to come. If anything new is going to break out, it's not going to happen without the Spirit of God. We need the Spirit of God to come. We need him. And when he comes, he creates new things. It's not repeats of what we had in Egypt. It's not past stuff. He wants to create new things. You may or may not be in your dream job right now, but you can be assured that wherever you are, the Spirit of God is your source to create new things in your story. You can treat your dead-end job like a dream job. You can. When you're different up here, when your thinking changes, this is why the New Testament talks about be transformed by the Changing the way you think, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, 2. We were transformed by changing the way we think. This is how God utilized Israel in this whole story from Genesis into Exodus. God gives them visions and dreams about things in the future. For Israel, they had to learn that they could connect to their creator. Moses, when he was saying, let my people go to Pharaoh, he said, let my people go so that they may go and worship. He wanted to introduce a new connection between the people and God. It wasn't just for select uh, hierarchical uh, wealthy king type people, but it was for everyone to worship God. The ability to connect to God. Did you know that your work can become worship to God? The very things that you do that seem so mundane that you don't even know how to share with people who ever and aren't working where you work, it can become worship to God. How you do biology this year in class can become worship to God. How you work in school and you're pursuing your master's degree can become worship unto God. How you take care of little toddlers who are whining 
and pooping their diapers can become worship to God. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? But then God began to drop also a new picture in the heart of Israel in this juncture. You see, it wasn't just about getting out of Egypt. It wasn't just about getting Egypt out of them. It was about moving to a promised land. And God will begin to develop a portrait, a mosaic, if you will, of where you're heading. He'll drop previews of the future on you so that you can see it in a different way. For you, it could be what could be different for you in your assignment this year. I want you to dream with me. Maybe write these things down. What, what could be different about uh, going to school or, or going to work this week? What could be the new development if you're in retirement where you could begin to expand your relational network or maybe expand your time of intersection where God's giving you more time to pray for people or in your marriage or in your friendships and, and the quality of the relationship? What could develop? God will write those things on your heart. And he'll want to grow you. It also may drop in you a vision that involves change, where you leave one season and go to a completely different place. I want to give you a word, just drop this in about transition. Anytime I talk about something like this, often people are like, yep, God's going to give me a new job. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get out of this and I'm going to move to something else. And we ought to kind of... Tr- we, play it out. We're like, yeah, I need to get out of that place. It's killing me. But transition, I'd like you to think of not as an event, but as a process. And it's okay to spy the land out if you are faithful where God has already assigned you. In other words, while you're faithful with your assignment, you can look into other options and opportunities as long as you don't lower your faithfulness to what you're supposed to be doing. I don't know why it is, but there are some people, they don't like it, so they jump ship to another job and another job. And it's like jumping from ladder to ladder. They get up to the third rung, they love it, then they hate it, and then they get off that ladder and they go to another ladder as if the new event, the new place is gonna give them something different. But how many know you take you wherever you go? Hello? And so it's important for you to learn to be faithful even when you're uncomfortable. Learning to follow through and stick with it. Learning that if you ever want to get to 10th grade, you actually have to finish 9th grade. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? Yes, we are about to go into school in just about a week. And, uh, and I want my students in our church to hear me clearly. I want God to write new dreams on your heart, but I want you to be faithful to what he's called you to do. We need to understand that the ramifica- what the ramifications are of making a move and not jump ship before the understanding of all of the consequences are in play. Let me talk to you just from personal experience. When I was a youth pastor at the church here for about 10 years, in my ninth year, um, I began to feel a tug in my heart that change was coming. Perhaps you felt that before. I didn't know what that change was. But I was like, okay, Lord, whatever you want, whatever that may mean. And so right about that time, I started getting phone calls from other places uh, to, that were interested in me coming to work for them. I got a, I got a call from uh, my former pastor, Wayne Benson, who's spoken here before. And at that time, he had become the president of Central Bible College down in Springfield, Missouri. And, and he said, Nate, I'd like you to think about coming. And I was interested in it. Just because of him, I thought I could work for one of my heroes. I could learn from him. It's in a college. It might be something different. Everything sounded pretty good about it except for moving to misery. I mean, to Missouri. And I was like, I, I thought maybe, um, you know, let's, let's look into it. So what I did is I stayed faithful here at the church as I was a youth pastor. I didn't let up at all. I didn't pull back. But I looked into it. I remember going online and looking at houses and how much they cost down there. I looked at the school and the job and all of that. But at the end of the day, I did not feel that God was calling us to go there, so I pulled out. But I, I looked into it, and Jody and I talked, and she's like, you don't want to do that. And I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. And then we got a call from Fargo, and I'm like, no, Jesus. You know, and then I got a call, another call. Um, <laughs> sorry to all my North Dakota friends. Um, I was just like, 
if the Lord would call me, I'd pick up that cross and follow you, Lord, but please no. And uh, then I got a call from Chicago, and there was an African-American pastor of a church, the great church there, that wanted uh, me to come and be one of his executive pastors. And that was interesting to me because it actually played into some areas that are kind of core values for me, a multi-ethnic church working for an African-American pastor. I was like, hey, I could think about that. And, uh, and he, uh, he was a smooth talker on the phone. He's like, you just got to come down here, Nate, hang out with us. So we did, and Jody and I actually went and visited. We spied the land out. We spent a weekend there. We went to their services. But it became very apparent to both Jody and I along the way that this wasn't a God thing. But I'm describing something important to you because while I was looking into the opportunity, the opportunity did not equal the call of God. What I was looking for was the whisper, the voice that I talked about last week. I was looking for when and what is God saying. And I didn't know every part of the story. I'm married, so I needed to process with my wife. And so we talked about and debriefed, if you will, on the trip. What do you like? What don't you like? What do you think about this? And as we processed and worked through it, it was as if God was showing us the type of things that God was dropping in our heart for the future. It was a not yet. So the experience of spying the land out helped prepare us for the thing that God wanted us to do next. So lo and behold, we stayed at Emmanuel then for the next year. And I thought, well, Lord, what was that? And right during that year, Pastor Dwight came on staff and he asked me to help him with things outside of youth ministry. And I thought, maybe God was getting me ready for, for that. And lo and behold, right about the time when I was going to shift out of youth ministry and move into, into uh, a different role at Emmanuel, I got a call from Gordon Anderson, the president of North Central, asking me to come work with him. And a long st story short... When we prayed, we felt God, and because we had spied the land out on other things, we knew quickly it was God. Are you hearing me? So we were faithful the whole time, and when it was apparent it was God, I did not have to apologize to anybody, and I didn't have to justify what I was doing because I knew it was God, and I served him. And so we resigned here as youth pastors, went to North Central. We still live in the same house I did when I was a youth pastor, and we served there for 10 years, and then God brought us back. What I'm describing to you is this. I'm following the voice, and I'm discerning the transitional le leadership of God, not just by the opportunity, but a relationship with those that are closest to me. I bounce it off of wisdom voices in my life, and then I determine, is this a God thing or not a God thing? And so for me, I had to remain faithful the whole time. If I was not faithful where God had already assigned me, wherever I went next would miss out on the full anointing from God. Are you hearing me? Until I learned my lesson again, and then I could do it. So I had to be faithful to the end until God moved me. There, that was for free. So this is what I want you to consider. This is what I want you to consider. Sometimes the change that is coming is in you, not just around you by moving on. Perhaps God would stir you because he's about to do something new in you. It's not about the boss that bothers you, your coworkers or the schoolmates or the friends that just turn their back on you. Sometimes it's fight or flight, right? We either get in a fight or we want to get out of there. But maybe we need to follow the spirit and let the fight be his. Let the battle be the Lord's. And when we are moving ahead, Pharaoh will call us to go back to our old life because it was familiar. But let's let our familiarity be stronger in the future that God is calling us to than the voices of our past. And we can say to Pharaoh, I'm not going back. I'm not. See, we've got to get Pharaoh out of our head to get out of the box. We need to change the way we think so that our present assignment becomes our dream job before the job around us changes. We don't have to be victims and wait till someone else gives us a new job. We can prepare for the new by changing the way we think about the future. It's what comes out of our mouth and how we label our experiences. So I want you to think about it this way. Stephen Furtick had a great statement about this that I really liked. He said this, you don't get to control your story, but you do get to choose your headlines. And you know what he was saying by this? And it applies to what we're talking about right now. 
in the life that you're in, you're going to go through highs and lows, but re really the most important thing is what are you speaking out of? Are you speaking about the future that God is creating or are you speaking out of the history, the Egypt of your past? What comes out of your mouth? So same experiences, but what is the headline that we share with the people that we're around? So how do you like your job? This is the test. Well, you go into Eeyore mode, you know. It's just the same story. I'm tired of my boss. My coworkers ticked me off. I don't want to go to math class. These little kids, all they do is poop and eat. So we can talk out of, I said it twice in this service, I'm so sorry. Get back into the message, Nate, here we go. Are we talking out of the negativity of our history, which will only be a predictor of repeating history? Or do we put a headline that says, I'm taking one more step closer to the dreams that God has for me today. And I have some challenges, but I'm not the guy, I'm not the girl I was last year. I'm not gonna be the person I was last week, this week. I'm gonna get a little bit closer to the promised land that he's laying out for me. And that becomes the headline. What are you speaking out of? Dr. Anderson used to say that you can tell a person is young or old, not by their chronological age, but by their perspective. If you're excited about the future and the people that are in it, you're young. And if you're more interested in the people in the past and the stories of the past, you're old. And he said, I have seen 18-year-old old people, and I've seen 95-year-old young people. So what are you speaking out of? Are you speaking about where God is going and where things are headed, or are you still speaking out of Egypt? You got to get Pharaoh out of your head. You got to get him out of your head. Joseph learned to do this when he stood before his brothers in his restoration moment when he revealed himself to his brothers, and he had now risen above, and yet they had sold him into slavery in Genesis 50. He said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. He wrote the headline of what God was doing. He wrote it. He was faithful where he was, but God was about to do something new in and through. So today, I want you to consider something. Make room for a new story, new dreams to emerge in your heart, in your mind. What's possible for God in your family, in your job or at your school? Don't dream out of yesterday's story. Yesterday is gone. It's time for a completely new story to be written this year. It's time for us to ask the Spirit to hover over the top of you and I and give us dreams outside of the box of our past experience. Hebrews chapter 11 says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. See, faith requires two things. It requires a picture of what we hope for. If you have a piece of paper, I want you to draw a picture frame on your picture, otherwise on, on, your, on your paper, but I want, or in your mind's eye, to consider uh, this year, what's January gonna look like for you? And if you were to, or even this week for that matter, and you were to say, what are you hoping for? And populate new attitude, new relationship, more patience for people, more love and kindness, and a sense of where you're going. Hope is a powerful fuel for us. If you have no hope, you don't move anywhere. You stay in the desert, or you want to, worse, you, we want to go back to Egypt. But if you begin to think, what am I hoping for in my life as I move into the fall? What do I want to see develop in my marriage? What do I want to experience in my relationship with my kids? What do I want? What is the thing that God is helping stir me with a new hope, a new vision as he hovers over the top? Creative new things will develop, things that you didn't think about before. What are those things? And the second thing 
for faith is that we have to be able to take a step toward the hope because hope in itself is not a strategy. What we have to be able to do is say, now what am I going to do to take a step in that direction? And I want you and I to consider this year in that evidence category of faith is the reality of what we hope for, the evidence of things we cannot see. Let God begin to develop a picture of a new thing in your heart, and it may be undefined, but how are you going to take a step to act out of that future hope instead of repeating previous behaviors? How am I gonna move in that direction? And really, this is faith. Faith is not belief. Faith is taking steps toward what you believe in. You and I have to learn to take those steps and move towards what God is calling us. As individuals and as a church, it's time for us to ask God to give us new dreams that are outside of the box of our past. We need to get Pharaoh out of our heads, friends. And this year, we can capture our Mondays, their Saturdays, and step toward God's possible in our life. And we need the Spirit to hover over the top of us to create a new picture of hope. This is what Jesus said about this same topic. In Mark chapter 2, it says, besides, who would patch old clothing with new cloth? For the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the wine would burst the wineskins, and the wine and the skins would both be lost. New wine calls for new wine skins. You know what Jesus was saying? He was actually talking to a bunch of people that were looking at his disciples and asking why he would fast and what was going on. And, and, and they're trying to speak out of the religion of the past. And Jesus was looking back at them and said, it was essentially saying, you're not gonna get new results in your life if you're acting out of your old religious habits, you have to change the way you think. And when you wipe the board off on all that's happened, and you have a clean whiteboard, you allow God to write something brand new. But as long as that board is already full, anything that you write, there's no room and you couldn't read it anyways. There's no room and no capacity to receive the things that God has for you. And I would just say this, all of us have the capacity to say, oh God, in every aspect of my life, I happen to be a leader in a church. I have a responsibility to preach the word. That's my job, right? But I also am a dad. I also am a husband. I'm a neighbor. I live in a city around other people. In every aspect of my life, if I repeat what I've already done all the time, I'm not gonna get new results. But if instead I approach the throne and I say, oh God of grace and mercy, would you hover over me like you hovered over the waters? Would you create new things out of the formless parts of my life? Would you open up new pathways of relationship between me and my wife? Would you help the love grow stronger than it's ever been before? Would you enable me in my studies, because I'm still a college student, believe it or not. Would you help me be one of those people that actually finishes my assignments? Because Lord, my old patterns won't get me to my dreams. I need new ways, and I need the courage to overcome the Pharaoh in my head to get there. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? He wants to write a new story. Today, on all three of our campuses, we're going to follow Jesus' instruction to observe communion because he's the one that showed us how to do this. He led the way in breaking out of boxes by dying and embracing new life. And then he told us to follow his example when he said, do this in remembrance of me, like our host on each campus, to begin to disperse the elements, and I want to encourage you today to receive communion. If you're a follower of Jesus, you don't have to be a member of our church, but you do need to be a follower of Jesus. And as we will receive the communion in a few moments, what I'll do is I will have you be in a place like the Grams that come if you could right now. I'd like to have you be in a place where you are ready to examine your own heart and say, God, I want to follow your example with the bread and, the, and the, the juice that we have here today. 
and then we'll receive together in just a moment. Today, I have with us our missionaries in Argentina that we've been supporting for over 20 years. They happen to be, they happen to be the parents of Pastor Nathan Grams, our Maple Grove campus pastor. But for many decades, they have given their life investing in a Bible college and students and churches and leaders in Argentina, but it's been all over the world actually that their students have been sent out as missionaries and church leaders. There's been a multiple decade revival in South America that their Bible college is the womb for. All the leaders have come out of their college and God has sent them out. And somehow in some way, God has utilized them to not have their best days behind them their best days are still ahead of them. And I, in light of what I was preaching today, I, I wanted to have them say hello to everybody and share what it is that they're doing as an example of how they can follow Jesus in his death and his resurrection and to continue to see new life come up through their life. Would you give it up for Rocky and Sherry Grahams? We're amazed at what God is doing. It's been, and it is, our purpose in God, to come alongside these young people, call to the Lord, and help them believe for God's dream. We've seen the school grow, and you have been a part of it, from 53 resident students to 440 resident students, and over 800 non-resident students. We have students from 17 nations. The graduates are ministering in 20 nations. And just got a voice message from one of the students about what God had done that week. It was 11 minutes long. The miracles of that week. And it's amazing to hear what God is doing. One of them uh, got up and shared on a Monday morning that they had kept track during those 13 weeks of ministry, 100 healings. God is at work. The Holy Spirit is ministering through them. One of the young ladies got held up, and the guy pulled the trigger once, pulled the trigger two, three times. She thought the fourth one will probably work. So she said, or she thought she doesn't remember, God have mercy on him. And he fell to the ground and began to cry out to the Lord for his touch. They believe the Lord. They're touching God's heart. We couldn't do it without you. You dream and you send. Just this week I read, insecurity and unhappiness comes when we think we belong to this world. No? So we don't belong to this world. So the students in Argentina, the best days are ahead. The revival that was isn't going to be the revival that is. It's going to be worldwide, here including, and it's realizing God's purposes in your lives. Just yesterday was the day of the haircutter and the barber, and two of the students said, it feels so great to be working in a job where we can use our creativity. The cook at the school wants to start a chef school to prepare students to do missions around the world. Uh, multimedia, the soccer, they're taking soccer classes so they can go around the world and teach soccer. They're learning Spanish, how to teach it as a second language. So what God has placed in your hands, you were born for this time and this future. It's not over yet. Thanks for believing with us, and you do it here, and we'll do it there. God bless. We love you. <laughs> Come on now. So, Pastor Nathan, we know where the preaching comes from. You got it in both of your parents. Um, today, as we receive communion, we're actually joining with saints from around the world, people that are trusting in Jesus just as we are to create new things. And uh, on the same night that Jesus was betrayed, he looked at his disciples and he said, this is my body, and he held up the bread. And he said, this is my body broken for you. It's by Jesus' stripes, his broken body, that we're healed. But he also puts relationships back together again. He, he restores, he heals sick bodies. We trust by faith in that even today. As a matter of fact, I wanna speak it in a sense, in the positive affirmation of what we just preached. Some of you have lived with a disease or, or, or pain in your body or things that are going on, and maybe in your mind you've kind of lowered your faith expectation that God would heal you. 
And I would just ask God to give you a new wineskin of faith today to trust and reach out and grab that healing that God has for you through the, the broken body of Jesus today. As a matter of fact, in each campus, if you need a physical healing in your body or you have a relationship that needs to be restored, I want you to stand wherever you are in faith that what God will do, only he can do. We're going to believe for healings all over our campuses today in Jesus' name. Father, we come before you and we trust you and we thank you, Lord, for the shed blood of Jesus, the broken body of Jesus. And we thank you today that healing comes through the broken body of Jesus. We declare healing into each body here in Jesus' name. Lord, we ask that you would curse cancer and diseases in Jesus' name and release the life that's promised through your body in each body, mind, we pray in Jesus' name, as well as restoring broken relationships. Bring them back together again. Do what seems impossible to people. Lord, with you, nothing is impossible. Let us eat together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we trust you for that. He also took the cup on that night. And he said, this is my blood spilled out, poured out for you. And essentially, the shed blood of Jesus is our hope because he can take the vilest of sinners and make them whole. And he has a way of restoring life to our bodies and our relationships, but he gives us eternal life. And I want to pray for the hope in the room that God would bring freedom to minds. Perhaps you've had demonic strongholds coming after you. You can know the power of Jesus and the release of the power of God in your life right now. We're going to believe for that. We're also going to believe in prayer for all of the people that are around the world, including the Grams and all of the students that they work with and the churches they work with, that God would bring his powerful, overcoming blood, the blood that will never lose its strength to every part of the world. Father, we thank you today that, Lord, you provide healing, but you also provide freedom. And I pray, God, that you bring freedom to the soul and the mind of people under the sound of my voice, that they would be set free. Lord, get Pharaoh out of their heads, Jesus. I pray, God, that you would silence the mouth of demonic strongholds of the past, lies from our, our histories, oh God, and Lord, replace it with the truth. You have come that we might have life and that more abundantly. Let it be released. We pray for Argentina and the Bible College. We thank you for Rocky and Cher. We thank you for the vision that they have and the future and the hope that they have. And we pray in Jesus' name that, Lord, you continue to to pour out your spirit there. We trust in your blood to continue your journey, your mission in Jesus' name. Let us drink. Hallelujah. 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 Would you stand on all of our campuses? We're going to now move into a time where we worship and wait upon the Lord, and I just want to encourage you, campus pastors, Pastor Brian, Pastor Nathan, go ahead and take it from here. Would you give your thanks to Rocky and Sherry for coming here today? Thanks for being a part of the story that God's doing. Hallelujah. I just really strongly happened in the first service. It's happening to me right now. I feel like the Holy Spirit is near us. And if we call out to him, he will be with you. And if you will hear me and trust me right now, if you can just... Close your eyes and open your hearts, maybe your hands, and ask the Holy Spirit just to hover over the top of you. You might have things inside of you know that need broken. You might need creativity and a new journey, a new story to be written in your heart, but it's not going to happen from Target or Amazon.com. It's only coming from the Holy Spirit today. And so we call upon you. We wait upon you, O oh Lord. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. 